This is Nick Engpak, President and CEO of Melissa Valenti Engpak. Join me in watching Carrie and Evan on Greater Good TV. Greater Good TV is proudly presented by Central Pacific Bank, fiercely loyal banking. Greater Good TV with your hosts Carrie and Evan Leong. Leaders inspiring leaders. A place where financial profit and social responsibility go hand in hand for Hawaii's greater good. Today's special guest is the president of Melissa Valenti Ing Pack Advertising, Nick Ing Pack. Welcome to our show, Nick. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you always dreamt of coming to Hawaii. Why Hawaii? Well, growing up, I was in New York City, London before that, but New York City was since I was 11 years old. And as you can imagine, the big city, it's dull, it's gray, it's crowded, no sunny beaches, no paradise. I watched Hawaii Five-0, and then my dad got a job at United Airlines. And with his travel benefits, I was able to use them while he could. He was too busy working. As a student, I would watch Hawaii Five-0 and then hop on a plane for $28 a round trip. Every chance I got, and the more I got here, the more I fell in love with the place. So I finished off school, finished off college, finished off grad school, got a job in New York, and uh, worked about a year and a half. And then I decided that before I settled down into a job, I was doing really well there, I better get Hawaii out of my system once and for all. So I figured, well, let's take six months off and see if this little adventure can be fulfilled taken out of my system. So I came over here with the intention of staying for six months. And as you pointed out, it turned into a year, year and a half, five years, 10 years, and here I am 26 years later. When you initially came and you were staying for six months at a time, were you working or was it just play? Well, I thought it would be playing 80% of the time. I thought working in Hawaii would be a paradise. I would go to work at nine o'clock in the morning, be finished by two o'clock, hit the beach, <laughs> go play tennis in the afternoon, and enjoy the weekends. Little did I know that working in Hawaii is working in Hawaii. There really is a real industry, an advertising industry, which I didn't think there was at the time. And I didn't think there were really uh, companies, marketers like there were in New York. So I figured it was going to be a six-month vacation with just a little bit of work to pay the bills. So when you took that six-month vacation, did, did you know that it was going to be a working vacation or working sabbatical time? I knew it would be a working vacation. I knew it would be, again, but I thought it would, be, it would be light work because I figured here I was the hot shot, up and rising star in New York. Working in Hawaii would be a breeze. I'd show these guys in Hawaii a thing or two about New York advertising. So when did you make that transition to working for a Hawaii firm? I'm sorry? When did you make that transition to working with a Hawaii firm? Well, it was a Hawaii firm because uh, when I first got a job, I. I, I took a plane over that one summer, I was on vacation. I interviewed with Melissa Valenti, with mm. Frank Valenti, and this was 1980, summer of 1980, and Hawaii was booming then, and luckily for me, the timing was good, and they needed um, um, help in certain areas. So he offered me a job on the spot, went back to New York, and turned in my resignation, and also secured a commitment for a job in six months, to when I came back, I came out to Hawaii, and started working at Melissa Valenti, which was actually a subsidiary at that point of a New York agency. So I thought I had all the connections made that I could easily step back into the advertising scene in New York. So it was a local company with New York connections, so it was a real no-brainer of a choice for me. What kept you here in Hawaii? 
Well, when I first got here, I almost didn't stay. I realized I did not have the free time. I thought I would. It was work. <laughs> it was 8 o'clock, not 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock starting time till 5, 6, 7 sometimes. And it was hard work. In New York, it was a much bigger company, and I had other departments doing different types of work. In Hawaii, it was a large agency in Hawaii, but small compared to New York standards. And you had to be a jack of all trades. You did everything. And I found myself doing tasks that I was not used to at all. And after about two months or so, or so I thought, you know, this is not what I intended to do. I'm not out there surfing, playing tennis, doing the things I planned to do when I came out here. So I almost went back to New York after about two or three months. But I had a talk with my supervisor, and he started laying out a plan for me as to what the possibilities were. And I changed assignments and accounts. And actually, I started working at First Hawaiian Bank, which turned out to be the most important account at the agency. And that was actually my stepping stone to the rest of my life in Hawaii. What were the differences for you um, running the business in New York compared to Hawaii? In New York, I had a lot more time to sit in my office and to think. Think about big ideas, about what new ideas I could do for a client, new initiatives, new strategies. In Hawaii, I got here, it was all execution. I'd be pumping out a different ad every week. In New York, I'd work on whisk laundry detergent, and we'd do three or four TV commercials annually. And the rest of the year would be just servicing clients, <laughs> taking care of business, calling on them, socializing, um, and thinking. Over here, we'd be doing another ad every week. Because the difference in markets is New York, um, the media dollars, it's expensive. It only goes so far. In Hawaii, media's relatively cheap, actually. Production is a lot larger ratio um, of the budget. And because of the size of the market, the kind of market it is, too, we do a lot more ads here, produce a lot more ads. What's the difference between working in the company and starting there and now running it? Um, you know, it's been a real gradual transition, so it's a good question because I think back on it now as to what I was doing 20 years ago versus what I'm doing now, and it's very different. As I mentioned, 20 years ago, it was mostly execution, running around, getting ads done, day-to-day, week-to-week, and basically having your, your, your head buried in your desk and answering phones and timetables, deadlines, budgets being executed. Now, actually, what I do now, running the company, is making sure that we have the right resources to take care of a client's business. Now, others in the company have to do a lot of the executional work, and they're real good at it. And I jump in once in a while when they need help and give them direction. But most of my time is spent with clients in terms of um, making sure that their resource needs are taken care of and the relationship is established where long-term they know that they can rely and trust that we have their best interests at heart. Up next, Nick talks about planning and how it helps shape his career. Combine good planning with good luck. I think the luck um, you can't rely on, the good planning you can. And I've been pretty fortunate with the luck, but now I'm, I'm changing myself to depend on planning rather than luck. Do you believe anything is possible? I do. I work at Earthlink. I believe internet good can defeat internet evil. The world without spyware, viruses, or online identity theft. I believe in a place where our information can be safe. I won't stop fighting until we get there. We work at Earthlink. And we're making unbelievable things happen every day. It's time to start believing. 
Earthlink. We revolve around you. Order now and get Earthlink for $29.95 for six months. Hi, I'm Richard Lewis, CEO of Core Systems Hawaii, Hawaii's data storage experts. For over 18 years, we've been helping businesses protect their critical data with enterprise IT systems. We've seen all types of service interruptions, from power outages to simple human errors. Core Systems now provides a local disaster recovery managed service utilizing our experience in storage and server virtualization. Call us at 440-5000 to ensure that your data will be there when you need it most. Hey, did our banker get back to us on those ideas to streamline our cash flow? Yeah, that's what I thought. You know, maybe we need a bank that actually cares about our business. And I've got Grace working on payroll, because I'm going to need it for... You're not going to believe this. Do you know any good business bankers? Probably try to squib it, and he does. Ball comes loose, and the Bears have to get out of bounds. Rodgers along the sideline, another one. They're still in deep trouble at midfield. As they get it to Rodgers. They give it back now to the 30. They're down to the 20. Oh, the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. Will it count? And the Bears have won. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. I want to go back a little bit because you did mention that you had a talk with your supervisor who laid out a plan of what was going to be your future like with the company. Did your plan carry out as you folks had planned or you know, was there a right turn and left turn and did you succeed more than you had thought? Well, yes to all those questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, my supervisor basically told me that, well, when I started working at, at the agency, I was working in a department called National Accounts. Back in 1980, we handled various national media accounts like General Motors, um, certain beer accounts that just placed media in Hawaii. There was no production work, there was no creative work. We didn't do commercials and that to me was not really interesting. So we just coordinated media buys. We placed dollars, additional buys. So I was frustrated that I wasn't doing the things I was used to in terms of developing strategies, understanding consumer needs and uh, making them uh, believe and helping shape consumer behavior. So my supervisor asked me if I wanted to switch to First Wine Bank, which was doing a lot of creative development. And that's what I wanted to do. So he planned it out for me. Did your um, original owners have a succession set up for you? Or, or it just ended up that you were rising up the ranks and then you ended up purchasing, purchasing well, that, the company? That's an interesting story right there because uh, they had a succession plan for me because I was doing well and I was identified as future leadership. However, uh, the company was owned by a New York company at the time and they had different ideas because at that time I was in my early 30s and they just looked at me and thought, this kid's just too young to even consider as a future leader. So at the time, they never believed uh, Frank Valencia or Ray Melissi that I was in line to be in succession. They had their own plans made for somebody from New York to come out and run the company. What happened was, uh, I think in 1992, unexpectedly, Frank Valenti, who was a CEO, passed away. And at the time, he was trying to position me to take over. But because of his unexpected death, it never happened. What happened was they sent in somebody from New York, 
tried to run the company. But what happened was all the relationships that had been built before that locally, and my networking and my taking care of certain clients here, they came and supported me and said, no, Nick's the one. And long story short, after all that happened, they finally understood that they had to have somebody in place who was part of the community, who understood the community, and who could take it forward. When did you feel a sense of the community? Because you did mention that the New York company wanted somebody who was accepted by the Hawaii community, yet you weren't born and raised here. So at what point did you go, wow, I'm really part of this? Probably about maybe five years after I got here. Because as you're coming up in the company, it's mostly your direct clients. But after about five or six years or so, uh, Mr. Valenti and Mr. Melissi, they very importantly, they got me engaged in the, in the community, going to various uh, fundraising events, uh, going to various uh, uh, dinners, uh, industry events, but client events. Clients would have events and they would ask to participate, we'd go, and we'd bond with them at those events. And after a while, after about five or six years, maybe you know, the light bulb just goes on, you know, hey, it's kind of a small town, you know a lot of people around here, and it's real easy to pick up the phone and basically, um, ask if um, we can leverage a relationship to help us do something that is beneficial to both of us. We do a lot of public service campaigns which help to raise money, help to ask people to do the right thing about assisting our clients who often engage in public service things too, uh, to help them accomplish their, their ends. So what we do is we're an important asset in helping them accomplish their goals and we provide those services free of charge. Um, so again, we often believe in the same causes, but when we have clients who have the same like-minded belief, it comes together. How do you determine which clients or which, um, which initiatives you want to back up? Because there's so many that are you know, worthwhile. Well, uh, we, we often have, the, oftentimes there is no bad um, public service initiative. They're all good. I mean, there's so many good causes. Uh, often asked is, is uh, time and money. Okay, oftentimes we do both. Sometimes we just do time, sometimes we just do money. But um, oftentimes the ones that we choose that we really devote a lot of agency resources are what I personally or somebody else in the agency believe in. And uh, whether it's uh, the Blood Bank of Hawaii or AUW or, or whichever great cause, um, we look at what they need, whether it's creative, or we need some media assistance, or is just help fundraising. In terms of picking up the phone and asking your friends and clients to, can you please consider supporting this cause? And combination of all three, it's, uh, it's uh, we decide, oftentimes we never say no, and that's one of the problems we have. Were you able to get ahead more in your career when you started getting involved in these organizations hands-on? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things is to get involved when you get involved in, in these community organizations, you meet people who are leaders in the community already, and they're there for a reason. They want to lead, they care about the community, and if I get into this organization or some cause that I meet somebody, because we have shared interest, a shared passion, that sharing of interest and passion becomes a friendship and a bond. And there's nothing more powerful than that when you're working together to do something good. Could you help encourage the younger to get involved now while they are trying to grow up the ladder? With well, the younger folks, I would encourage them, absolutely, from day one, just start networking and doing 
something you care about. It doesn't have to be doing something just for the heck of doing something for business purposes. Don't do that. Don't do, some, do something just because I can make a sale. That's not a good reason to do it. Get involved because you care about something. And if you care about something and somebody else cares about something, it's a much stronger connection than trying to make a sale to somebody and, you know, let me try to get assign that person to make a sale. Nick shares why getting involved with the community is important. If you impact one other person, that's all that really matters. But if you can impact 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 other people, it becomes even more important. be 20 years from now. Be right here working on this lawnmower. Do you think we're saving enough for retirement? Well, maybe it's time we find somebody to help. Wow. Hey, maybe it's time we buy a home. Anything is possible? I do. I work at Earthlink. I believe internet good can defeat internet evil. The world without spyware, viruses, or online identity theft. I believe in a place where our information can be safe. I won't stop fighting until we get there. We work at Earthlink. And we're making unbelievable things happen every day. It's time to start believing. Earthlink, we revolve around you. Order now and get Earthlink for $29.95 for six months. Find the job you've always been looking for in the Star Classifieds, where Hawaii's top companies advertise. Working in the food and beverage business for 15 years, I was looking for a change. I opened up the Star Classifieds, saw the ads, and it was the best move there for me. The midweek is a paper I look in all the time and recently heard over the radio of the Star Classified ads. I want to go back a little bit to your childhood. Did you always think you'd be in marketing or advertising and doing what you are doing today? Never. I always, I always wanted to be an airline pilot. <laughs> Can you fly? No. <laughs> I wish I could. I always had the travel bug in me and again it all kind of culminated. My dad worked for United Airlines and me just taking advantage of his travel benefits. But I never thought, uh, I, I went through school, college, grad school, and I fell into advertising and marketing just by circumstances. I, I saw a uh, 3 by 5 index card, that's how old I am now. They have index cards, not, not uh, internet sites or whatever. On the bulletin board at school, uh, advertising some internships in the advertising industry in New York. I had nothing better to do. I had no other plans, <laughs> no other grand plans. And I wrote a letter, an essay, and luckily I got chosen for it. But you have to be really creative. You have to be a dreamer. You have to be able to think out of the box. So did you know immediately that you'd do well with something like this? No, I didn't. Um, the certain parts of advertising where it's more the business end, the, the marketing, client service end of it. And I figured I could do that. When I wouldn't ever get started, started off in advertising, you know, 
everyone thinks they can write a headline, write a slogan, write a tagline, write a jingle, whatever. Sure, we all think we're great and creative. I never thought I was exceptionally talented that way. But I thought I could write well, and I could do marketing reports or whatever. So I thought I could achieve a certain um, moderate level of success uh, in the business. Um, but I always thought when I started off, I'd be, I'd be happy to be a good mid-level manager and uh, have some fun. That was all I aspired to. One, one thing that a lot of people have um, kind of an issue gripping on is confidence, right? You, you seem very confident today, but was there ever a time where you weren't that confident, maybe felt uh, somewhat inferior? And then how did you get over that to become your level of confidence that you are now? I used to be very, very shy. I still am. But as you say, confidence helps quite a bit. Um, there was a moment in my career when I realized that um, there was a possibility I could do well in, in it. I was working in my first um, job, maybe this, the, the uh, third month into my career. And up to that point, you keep your mouth shut for the, uh, just to avoid sounding stupid or looking stupid or doing anything that's, that's going to put you in a bad light. So I just followed up, took notes dutifully. Went to one meeting, it was a pre-production meeting, and we were shooting commercials for um, showing a, a new beer commercial that had Willie Mays in it. And uh, it was using retired athletes um, to shave a circle of sport, uh, champions. Um, and he would be in a batting circle, shave the shaver circle, hitting home runs out of it. So the conversation with all the high-powered creative guys around it was, uh, well, what should we dress Willie in? Should it be a sentence, you know, the Giants uniform, the Mets uniform, or whatever, you know? And it was going on, the conversation was going on for about half an hour or so. And I was thinking, you know, there's all kind of legal issues and hometown issues or whatever, and Schaefer Bay was an East Coast beer. I was thinking, the answer's pretty obvious. Just put New York in his uniform. Nobody owns New York. <laughs> so about five minutes later, somebody says, hey, let's just put New York on it. And everyone said, that's great, brilliant, solved. And I said, you know, if I had opened my mouth and just said New York, you know, I knew the answer. So at that point, I said, you know what, no one's any that much smarter than me. And maybe I should start voicing my opinion. So moments like that, that moment, you start thinking, you know, I can speak up. Um, it, it's uh, take a chance. So that's probably one of the first moments when you start realizing that um, it's it's uh, no one's that much smarter than you are. What are some key things or tips or lessons that Melissa or Valenti had taught you before you started running the business? Well, Frank, uh, Ray Melissa, um, this just uh, his key thing was relationships. Said. Relations are all that matters. That in a, in, this is a service business. You make friends with your clients, and um, the results are important, but they also forgive a lot of mistakes. And they let you take risks in doing certain things, too. If there is one thing that you could redo in your life, what would that be? I would probably relive my college years and grad school years. Because I was totally, again, as I mentioned, I stumbled into Columbia University. And um, I wasn't totally focused. I was a good student. I was smart. But I think I could have leveraged that a lot more by really just uh, uh, studying a lot harder. And one thing I 
did not finish was I, I uh, went through college, went to two years of grad school towards my MBA. I finished all the requirements, and then I had about 20 pages left right in my thesis. And I got my job in advertising in New York, and I never got around to finishing those 20 pages of my thesis. So although I have all the requirements done for my MBA, I don't have that small piece of paper. So it's minor in terms of what I've accomplished. But if you think back about, well, if I just worked a little bit harder and focused on all those things, uh, it could have been a lot richer in terms of the college experience. You're guided to a better college than you thought you were going to go to. You're guided to a plan with Melissa Valenti of what you were going to do in the future with their company. What importance do you think it is for the leaders or the business people out there to guide, whether it's their children or the up-and-coming leaders, of what to do in their future and what the future holds for them? It's just amazing um, how complicated life is for my kids now versus what I had. And the best I can do for them is, again, is just help them understand and prioritize what is going to make them happy. Um, they can do a multitude of things. They have so many more opportunities than I ever had. And I guess all I can do is help them sort out um, what might serve them well in the future. And again, I go back to the same phrase. Just do the right thing, okay? Just do the right thing, whatever you think is going to make you happy and make others around you uh, respect you. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for joining us today on Greater Good TV. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodtelevision.com. We'll see you next week for another episode of Greater Good TV. Greater Good TV has been proudly presented by Central Pacific Bank, fiercely loyal banking.